3: This is the best of OutKick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio.
4: Major League Baseball also came to a close last night. The Boston Red Sox winning the series in five games. This is what it sounded like in Chavez Ravine last night with a 5-1 win over Clayton Kershaw and the Los Angeles Dodgers. The game that I think will probably be the most memorable, certainly Friday night's 18-inning epic affair that the Dodgers won by one game. I think there will be a lot of que- of questions about the decision in game four to pull a starting pitcher who was rolling and end up uh, throwing everything away. Uh, we'll bring in Danny G to ask him about that. But first, let's go ahead and listen to what happened last night.
0: Machado pinwheels the bat. Nobody on base, two men out. Bottom of the ninth, five-one Red Sox. Sale winds. He fires. Swing and a miss. Strike three. It's over. The Red Sox have won the World Championship. The Boston Red Sox beat the Los Angeles Dodgers five to one. They win the World Series, four games to one, and the Red Sox become the first team in the 21st century with four world championships can you believe it they sprinted from the bullpen they sprinted from the dugout they're mobbing each other between third base and home plate and the boston red sox are the champions for 2018 they win their 119th game this season can you believe it this is the classiest most together group and the most selfless Group of players i have ever been around uh, lou and tim and uh, they deserve this they are truly number one in this game
4: all right game five uh again david price i would say has erased and exercised a lot of the demons that existed surrounding his postseason failures three really good performances by and large down the stretch um and i think a lot of people again are going to remember about this series Game three, which the Dodgers won in 18 innings, and then the game four decision, which even our president tweeted about, Donald Trump. And I'm going to read you this tweet because it's probably the only thing Donald Trump's ever sent that every uh, person in the city of Los Angeles has agreed with uh, on the Twitter machine, watching the Dodgers-Red Sox final innings. It's amazing how a manager takes out a pitcher who is loose and dominating through almost seven innings, Rich Hill of the Dodgers, and brings in nervous relievers who get shellacked. Four-run lead gone. Managers do it all the time. Big mistake, exclamation point. And I was reading this, and I'm like, what if Donald Trump had a second career on Twitter as the most reasonable sports uh, prognosticator in America where he just tweeted things that were almost universally agreed? Danny G, as your reward for getting the tiger, uh, Tiger guy, tiger killer on the show you went to i believe game four do you agree with donald trump's tweet were you furious over the pulling of rich hill
5: you don't even know <laughs> yeah and first of all good morning clay yeah thank you you wanted to send me to friday's game but i had a gig already booked and on the calendar for months so i kept my word and my commitment did the uh the dj gig and bought tickets for the saturday game and i'm like All right. And so you can imagine how nervous I was watching that 18 inning marathon and Muncie with the walk off. And so I'm so hyped and excited. Got the date, got everything ready for Saturday. Four to nothing lead. This girl's all over me, kissing, hugging. She was having the best time of her life. And then Roberts pulls Hill. There were, yeah, there were a couple of Red Sox fans in our section. They were cheering when they saw Madsen. They were cheering even louder when they saw Ford. Two of the Dodgers' worst relievers go into probably the biggest game of the entire season. Can't comprehend it. The entire city has been outraged all weekend over it. And it ruined yesterday's game, obviously, because had he let Rich Hill go into the eighth inning and then maybe brought Jansen in for the last inning, that's probably how it should have went. If that would have happened, the the Dodgers would have rolled into Sunday with all the momentum, and it would have at least gone to six, seven games back in Boston. So Dodger fans all agree with Donald Trump. It was funny. Yesterday I'm on Twitter, and I see Coop, our very own Coop, retweeting (laughs) Donald Trump and agreeing with him. That's when I wondered if the world was spinning, you know, the other direction on its axis. So when Coop is agreeing with Donald Trump, you know – that Dave Robertson upstairs in the front office, they done screwed up. It is
4: pretty wild. I mean, I really do think that's probably the only thing that Donald Trump has ever sent out in certainly his political era that everybody almost universally in the city of Los Angeles has agreed with. But I think it speaks to a larger issue, which is I don't understand why managers get into the postseason and they turn these games into... Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, what did what, there was like 18 pitchers or whatever the heck there was in that 18 inning game yeah. and at least that went forever. But a lot of those guys come in for one batter and, they, and then they disappear. I, I just think it's a uh, I think it's a messy situation. I think also if you're a Dodger fan, that one feels all the worse because you look back and you think, man, we've been in the World Series for two straight years. It's so hard to get in the World Series. Has that window closed on this particular team? You figure Machado is probably going to go elsewhere. Uh, You also figure Clayton Kershaw, who's been such a dominant pitcher for so long, I believe he's got an option to decide where he wants to go. And also the question of, has he reached kind of the apex? And is he now on the backside of his career? It's just a team that's going to look a lot different, notwithstanding the fact they have some good young stars. But baseball comes to a close. Big win for the Red Sox. And to me, the storyline on the Red Sox, and we've, we've talked about this some on, on the show, this is their fourth title since 2004. And so uh, for a lot of people out there listening right now to start off their morning, 2004 doesn't seem like it was that long ago, right? It doesn't seem to you like it was that long ago. It's whatever it is, 14 years ago that 2004 existed. But if you are a kid right now listening to me, and there are a lot of kids listening on their way into high school, on their way into middle school, with your parents in the car, whatnot, you basically now know the Boston Red Sox as the most dominant franchise in Major League Baseball history in your life. And most kids, I remember being a young kid, when you're 14 or 15 years old, you don't care about anything that really happened before you were born. So if there are kids out there that are 14, 15, even 20, You know, there's an entire generation of American sports fans now, because most kids, if you're 20, you don't really remember anything in the world of sports before 2004. Most kids out there listening to us right now, college kids, their lifespan, the Boston Red Sox, are the most dominant Major League Baseball franchise of all time. I think John Morosi said to us, which was pretty funny, that he was talking to a buddy And that buddy said, uh, who are you rooting for? And asked his kid, who are you rooting for in the Red Sox-Yankees series? And he said, the Yankees, because they never win. Which is just so amazing to think about as the world of sports changing in an utterly different direction. The Boston Red Sox were the ultimate losing franchise in all of American pro sports. And in the last 15 years, they have turned into – one of the greatest championship franchises of all time. And even wilder, if you go all the way back to 2000 now, so you just think about 21st century baseball, the Red Sox have got more titles, I believe I am correct on this now, since 2000 than the Yankees. Look that up to make sure. I think if you go back to the year 2000, so you just say, okay, let's only talk about 21st century baseball. The Red Sox are the 800-pound gorilla And the Yankees are the franchise that is hoping to one day catch up to the standards of Boston Red Sox excellence. So that is an unbelievable alteration in the space-time continuum of the world of sports. It's, It's just, for somebody like me who's 39, it's amazing to think about the Boston Red Sox as the most successful franchise in Major League Baseball. Now with its fourth title, the Red Sox are, since 2004. And for a lot of you out there who are older than me, You grew up with this, oh, the Red Sox will never win a championship, this sort of uh, New England fatalism, oh, we're always going to find a way to lose, and, man, just another championship for the city of Boston.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
4: Jameis Winston is done. I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Jameis Winston era in Tampa Bay is over. His performance, again, the turnover situation, 71 turnovers Jameis Winston has had in 48 games as a starter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jameis Winston has thrown more interceptions than anybody else in the NFL, and he has only played in four games total, three starts. Jameis Winston tied for the NFL lead, I should say, with 10 interceptions. He's only started three games, and he's only played in four games. So he's played about half as much as anybody else has, and he is now tied for the NFL lead with 10 interceptions. We've got audio of Jameis Winston being asked about being benched. Let's listen to that right here.
1: It was very humbling, but it's not about me. It's my fault that we were in that position. He had to make a decision, and Fitz came in there and fought his tail off. Our offense responded uh, greatly, and we came back and tied that game up and gave ourselves a chance. I just know that I have to fix this problem, and I will. I know I will. It don't come with
5: being, being scared. Uh, it comes with looking in the mirror, uh, taking a, a, a long, hard deep look at myself, and bouncing back from this. Yeah, I will persevere.
4: Sometimes interceptions are not all on the quarterback. I went back and watched all four of the Jameis Winston interceptions. I think they were all four on the quarterback. I don't think somebody ran the wrong route and left him out to dry. I don't think you got a tip ball that went up into the air and, you know, it just had a bad break and somebody else caught it. These were four bad throws, and he's now had ten bad throws. And I come back again and again to Jameis Winston saying, well, I'll get it fixed. What part of that are you going to get fixed? You have played in 48 games as a starting quarterback in the NFL, Jameis Winston. You have turned the ball over 50 times via interception and 21 times via fumbles. This is what Jameis Winston is. 48 games, 71 turnovers. Nobody else is even close to those numbers at the quarterback position. And it's not as if you can say, well, yes, he's a gunslinger. He throws a lot of interceptions, but the results have been positive. He's throwing a lot of touchdown passes and leading his teams to victory too. No. The Bucks have been awful with Jameis Winston at quarterback. Now, it's not all his fault. The reason partly that they were down so much against the Bengals is because their defense stinks. This is not a good team that he's a part of from a defensive perspective. But every time Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in, There's really good offensive talent in the passing game. O.J. Howard's a really good NFL tight end. Fitzmagic hit him for the tying touchdown. Deshaun Jackson is a really good number two NFL wide receiver. Mike Evans, if he had a great quarterback, is as good of a wide receiver as there is in the NFL. Zero doubt Mike Evans one of the ten best wide receivers in the NFL, especially when you consider the quarterback play that he's had to deal with. The guy just gets open. And if he's not open, you can throw him open because he's such a ridiculous athlete as we've seen all the way back to when he was making plays with Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M. I don't think that you can continue with Jameis Winston. I think this is the first big decision that a team is going to have to make. If you are dirt cutter, are you willing to give Jameis Winston the reins to your team for the rest of the year in a really difficult NFC South remember you got to play Cam and the Panthers you got to play you already have played at least once the Atlanta Falcons in that offense with Matt Ryan and you have to play Drew Brees again Fitz was amazing he went on the road and beat the Saints that's how good the ceiling can be for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team if everything is clicking.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
4: To me, one of the biggest stories, if not the biggest story going forward in the NFL, is now what do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do? Because guess what? Fitz Magic came back in, rallied the Buccaneers from an 18-point deficit after Jameis Winston had thrown four interceptions in less than three quarters of football. Fitzmagic comes in and performs in a magic and spectacular fashion. I believe you have to bench Jameis Winston for the rest of the year. There's no way I'm going to give Jameis Winston $20 million going forward. We will get our guy OG who wants to defend Jameis Winston here momentarily. We'll talk also to Alex Marvez. couple of stats for you. Jameis Winston has now played in 48 games in his NFL career. He's thrown 50 interceptions and fumbled 21 times. 71 turnovers for Jameis Winston in 48 games. Nobody else is even close. He's only started three games so far in this NFL season, and he leads the NFL right now in turnovers at the interceptions with 10. He's tied for the lead even though he's only started three games. I think you have to stick with Fitzmagic. I think you roll with him for the rest of the year. No way you can give Jameis Winston $20 million. I think you have to cut ties. This doesn't even consider the fact that he has been suspended for three games for sexual assault. This is just on the field. It's not even like he's been perfect off the field, but I'm talking about just on the field performance. Is OG still with us in Florida? We got OG. OG, you think the Bucks should stick with Jameis Winston. Make your case.
6: Uh of course I do it. I don't make the contracts, right? So I I don't I don't want to go to the contract. He should get $20 million. But hold on. You have to but hold on.
4: It's not your contract. He gets $20 million if the Bucks keep him. That's his fifth year option value. So if the Bucks that's are going correct. to keep him, he gets $20 million. So you don't you don't make the contract, but that's how much he's going to get next year if they keep him.
6: Yes, I understand that. But since Fitzpatrick has been in the league, he did it in Buffalo. He did it at the Jets. He did, I mean, we know what Fitzpatrick is, right? He's we an average. We don't really know. After 48 games, you said, 48 games, we don't really know what Winston is after 48 games. I mean, he never played a whole season, you said. He did. What, you what don't think 48 games out. is
4: enough to make a decision on whether a guy is your starting quarterback or not?
6: No, but you got to give your first-round pick every chance possible to succeed. All right, he's got more
4: turnovers. He's got 71 turnovers in 48 games. He has got right now, he's leading the NFL in interceptions. I have more.
6: What'd you say? I bet you Fitzpatrick has more.
4: No way. Ryan Fitzpatrick, just based on what you've seen on the field so far this year, Ryan Fitzpatrick has come out and he has won you two football games. He went on the road, and he was good enough to beat the New Orleans Saints, who have only lost one game so far this year. He was good enough to beat the Philadelphia Eagles, who are a pretty good team. They had the ball with a chance to beat the Steelers, pretty good football team there. He played one bad half against the Bears. The entire team was awful. In fact, the defense was by far, they gave up six touchdown passes to Mitch Trubisky. The defense was the reason why they lost, not Ryan Fitzpatrick. They benched him. Jameis Winston came back, threw a couple of interceptions, lost against the Falcons. They were incredibly fortunate to beat the Browns in overtime in Tampa Bay, and Winston threw another couple of interceptions and wasn't very good. And then they were getting blown out when when Jameis Winston came in and threw four interceptions. I mean, that is evidence on the field through seven games that Jameis is not the answer. So you would stick with him?
6: Of of course I would, because We really didn't give him a chance. He's been injured this year. You know, once you come back... Jameis hasn't been injured. No, no, hold on. Jameis wasn't
4: injured. He was suspended for sexual assault.
6: You gotta get a chance to get back into your rhythm at the same time, too, now.
4: His rhythm has been throwing interceptions. Thanks for the call. This is a disastrous argument for OG in Florida. There's no reasonable football fan who can have watched Ryan Fitzpatrick play this year and can have watched... Jameis Winston play this year and say Jameis Winston should be the starting quarterback for the NFL for an NFL franchise compared to what these two guys have done I'm not even getting into the fact that I think if Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans and OJ Howard were asked who do you want as your quarterback I think they would all say Ryan Fitzpatrick you watch the body language on that team I think if you asked that offensive line who do you want as your starting quarterback I think they would all say Ryan Fitzpatrick I don't disagree. Ryan Fitzpatrick has proven that he is not an elite-level quarterback in the NFL. You're going to give $20 million to Jameis Winston? That's crazy to me. I think the Bucs right now, they give the reins to Ryan Fitzpatrick. If Fitzpatrick goes off the rails, truly plays a couple of bad games in a row, maybe you hand the reins back over to Jameis. If the Bucks get eliminated from any kind of playoff contention, maybe you say, okay, Jameis Winston, you can finish the season. The problem is if Jameis Winston gets injured, that twenty million dollars is guaranteed to him. Do you really want to stick? I mean, I'll I'll pull the poll the audience here. Let me pull my crew. Danny G, yes or no? Do you stick with or who do you go with? Fitz Fitzpatrick or Jameis Winston?
5: I don't think Fitzpatrick is the long-term solution, but I would go with him right now. All
4: right, what about you, Roberto?
5: Agree with Danny there.
4: All right, what about you, Ralph Irvin? Is he there?
5: Yeah, you got to you got to get rid of Winston right now. It's kind of like what they did in Buffalo with Tyrod Taylor a couple years ago. Can't,
4: all right, what about you, Dub? What do you think? I'm in agreement. So we have how it's relatively rare that all five people, myself, Dub, Ralph Irvin, who's sitting in for Eddie Garcia, Roberto, and Danny G, that we all agree uniformly on an answer. We all agree that Jameis Winston has to go. Does Alex Marvez agree with us? He knows all about the NFL. He's got inside sources all over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the big win for the Rams. What did the Saints' big win say about their status in the NFC? All of that and more. We'll dive into every major story in the NFL with Alex Marvez. He is going to join us next.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
4: We are indeed here in the Geico Outkick studios. We're about to be joined by Alex Marvez. He joins us every single Monday in hour three. I had to remember what day it was there for a minute. Uh, He joins us every single Monday in hour three, and uh, we are here in the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. All right, Alex Marvez, right off the jump here. Is the Jameis Winston era in Tampa Bay over?
1: I believe it is. And you know, here's part of the thing you have to consider as well, and you know, heaven forbid I'm not I'm not trying to, you know, wish bad ill upon anyone, but if Jameis Winston were to get injured and weren't healthy by the middle of March, and this is something the Bucks have to be thinking about a little bit here, they're on the hook for twenty one million dollars in base salary for Jameis Winston in twenty nineteen. That is the fifth year in his rookie option contract, if you understand what I'm saying here. So, you know, we saw with Jason Verrett of the L.A. Chargers, they couldn't cut him last off-season because they would have had to pay him his entire salary. It's the same with Jameis Winston. And at this point, 10 interceptions, leads the NFL. But let's not forget, Jameis missed. The first three games. You think Deshaun Jackson is talking about wanting to get traded from Tampa Bay if Ryan Fitzpatrick is still his quarterback? And listen, Fitz has his flaws, but at least he doesn't turn the football over nearly as much as Jameis Winston is right now. I mean, this Bucs team, you're talking almost historically bad when it comes to turnover margins and, and things like that, Clay. I mean, they're tied for last in turnover margin at minus 13. They're last in turnovers with 19. Last in interceptions thrown with 15. Oh, and by the way, throw in a defense that's tied for second worst in takeaways with just six so think about that margin that they're working on here and of course you put a 576 yards of offense yesterday against the Bengals and it didn't matter you still lose Jameis got a sit, man
4: so if he sits and you go with Ryan Fitzpatrick are you then saying on top of that that you would let him go at the end of the season if you're the Bucks? I think you have to I
1: mean what because what, what's the end game here you're going to pay 21 million dollars for Jameis Winston I mean, what is it, Nick Saban was the one who, who once told, told me, and I'm sure you've heard it, you know, if you keep doing the same things, you get the same results guaranteed. It's the same thing with Jameis Winston. Those four interceptions yesterday, Clay, when you look at them, they weren't anyone else's fault but Jameis Winston. It wasn't like there was a DB making a great play. It wasn't like there was a tip pass. It wasn't like there was a wide receiver out of position. It was, again, more Jameis Winston, bad judgment when he's throwing the football. He doesn't take care of it. He is far too sloppy with the ball, and after a while, you just have to realize this is what Jameis Winston is. I think this was the game where you just really figure out this is Jameis Winston. Because it's not a supporting cast. I mean, he got a decent enough support from the running game. Mike Evans is fantastic. Deshaun Jackson is still one of the game's deep threats. you got two really good tight ends, Cam Brayton, O.J. Howard. Chris Godwin would be starting on other teams. He's their number three wide receiver. I mean, so that's what I think you have to do. You move on from it. Now, what's the answer? At quarterback, that's a little bit tough, right? Because the Bucs find themselves in that netherworld type position where you're you're too good to get a top pick, like a top three or four pick. Uh, you know, and you're probably picking in the middle of the round. But you're not bad. At, you, know, you know what I mean? You're good enough yeah. to, to be in the middle of the pack. So, Clay, I don't know what their answer is. But listen, Kansas City and Houston figured it out, right? They made trades for, you know, for, a, for a Deshaun Watson and for Patrick Mahomes, and they were teams that had made the playoffs the previous year, and they're doing just fine. So whoever's running the show in Tampa Bay, and that's one more thing about this, Clay, to point out here. If you're Dirk Cutter, you need to win now. You do not want to risk your job going another season without a playoff appearance. I would imagine Jason Light in the same boat, the GM. So
4: you need to put whoever's on the field right now that's going to give you that chance, and Ryan Fitzpatrick does. All right. So, what's the value? What is Jameis? Winston? Let's let's say that they say we're not going to give Jameis Winston twenty one million dollars. What's he worth on the open market in the NFL? He's a young guy. Would somebody give him seven or eight million dollars? Ten million? I mean,
1: yeah. I have no well, idea. I mean, Sam Sam Bradford made sixteen this past year. Think. Of, yeah. so let's roll that one around in our head right there, right? And Terod Taylor is picking up ten million dollars, sitting on the bench. In Cleveland. So he's one of those guys that a team is going to convince itself, hey, I can fix Jameis Winston, right? And we'll have him as our starter, maybe a short-term type of deal. But I would imagine that, that about $10 million is where he would be at, maybe a little bit more. Just depends, too, on if a team sees something in him that, that others don't. I mean, we're talking about a league that gave Mike Lennon a three-year, $45 million contract to Chicago Bears a couple of years ago. So there's a sucker born every minute, Clay, and I believe there'll be someone that pays for Jameis Winston. Whether they have buyer's
4: remorse down the road, that's another story altogether. Saints get a massive win on the road, help to exorcise some of those demons that they got last season in Minnesota. Are the Saints the second best team in the NFC right now?
1: Maybe be the first best, depending yeah. on what we see next Sunday, right, against the Rams, and that is just going to be such a monster, monster contest. And, listen, if, if the Rams, if, if they're going to go down anytime soon, I think this is it. This is one of those tough games. You're going on the road. Listen, and the Saints, that, that win was big last night, not only because they beat Minnesota and, and exercised those, those demons or whatever, but think about it, too. They just come off that road game against Baltimore, and, and what a tough, draining game that is. And then you go back out on the road to play the Minnesota Vikings, although I do think injuries played a pretty big part in why Minnesota didn't do as well last night. They've got some issues with Kirk Cousins as well. Listen, the offense the is limited here, Clay. They have to throw the football so quickly that teams are figuring out that they can bat down Kirk Cousins' passes. He's actually on a record-setting pace for the most passes deflected at the line of scrimmage in NFL history. So they need to figure out something else. They've got to hope that Dalvin Cook's hamstring comes around and he's able to play sometime soon, maybe be able to open up some things a little bit more for them deep. But for the Saints, listen, Marcus Davenport coming to life last night with two sacks, that's big for this team. Eli Apple, he's going to go through his learning curve trying to get down this defense, but he does upgrade a secondary that needed a little bit more help. And, of course, we know the Saints are going to score points. I think they're the second-best team in the NFC, but next Monday when we talk, they may very well be the first.
4: Are the Jags done?
1: Oh, yeah, they're done. Big time done. But, you know, hey, at least had a $64,000 party on the way out, right? Can you believe that story? I mean, well, Clay, you know, I heard about the $32,000 tab. You and your family ran up. But that was for a lot of chocolate milkshakes and things like that. And I mean, I get it. you got kids, and they're growing, so I understand that. But, I mean, think about that. You know, your team, you've lost three straight. You've been outscored 90 to 28 in these games. You have a huge contest coming up. And what are you doing? You're going to a burlesque show. You know, before the game, did Doug Marone have a curfew? I don't think anyone's figured this out yet. I'm still trying to get to the bottom of it, because guys were out you know what, past four in the morning? I mean, is when they were being detained early Saturday morning. They did have a walk-through practice the next day. I'm not saying that's why the Jags lost. The Jags are losing because their offense is so beat up and Blake Bortles just simply isn't a difference-making quarterback in the passing game. That's it. They're without their top running back. They're without their top wide receiver. They're onto their third-string left tackle, and they've lost their starting tight end. But other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, the play was absolutely fabulous. You know, in the defense Isn't stepping up either. They're not playing difference making football outside of Calais Campbell. Jalen Ramsey had his first interception of the season, but let's be honest, this isn't the same group, the type of impact that they were making when they were talking so much trash in 2017. They're in a lot of trouble, and listen, teams are heating up. The Houston Texans, five straight wins for the first time since 2012. The Colts have now won two straight games for the first time since November of 2016. Yes, I know, making small steps, but nonetheless, a dangerous team down the stretch. And by the way, Indianapolis doesn't really face anybody. All that much down the road here when it comes to contending for the postseason. Indianapolis, the only remaining team with a winning record on their schedule, is Houston. So keep an eye on the Colts making a move, and Tennessee's going to putter along. And, you know, we talk about a quarterback decision at the end of the season. Marcus Mariota said to make the same type of base salary as Jameis Winston. Is he a $20 million quarterback, you know, in 2019, you know, going into the final year of his deal? But, They're still going to be pesky along the way. Uh, Jacksonville just doesn't have it this year. I think the team really overcalculated on Blake Bortles, obviously, in that regard, and thinking that he was going to be good enough to get him there. But again, how do you judge Blake with all the injuries? Well, great quarterbacks lift their teams through these types of circumstances. He is
4: not. Tomorrow is the trade deadline, I believe. 4 o'clock Eastern, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the day before Halloween. The Giants go out and get walloped again. They're 1-7. in seven. There are a lot of teams right now turning the page, I think, already and saying, let's get ready for next season. We're halfway through. We're out of the running. What guys do you think potentially could be moving? Who's looking to make moves as we come up on this, uh, the basically, what, 36 hours left in the uh, NFL trade deadline? The funny part is, who do you want? Right? Who do you want on the on a Giants defense that Adrian Peterson
1: is still gaining yards on? Okay? Apparently this run that Adrian Peterson had yesterday, his sixty yard touchdown run, is the longest by someone aged thirty three or older since Jim Thorpe. Jim That's amazing. Thorpe. It was the third hundred forty nine yards, the third most productive rushing game for a back in NFL history over the age 33 or over since John Riggins and John Henry Johnson, a pro football Hall of Famer from yesteryear, okay? That's where we're at with Adrian Peterson going for yards. Oh, and no sacks along the way as well by the New York Giants. They're lousy. Look, I don't know if Olivier Vernon has some, some you, know, rev, you know, some value to a team because he is a very good pass rusher, just isn't really making an impact in this type of system. Janoris Jenkins, even though he gets spun around like a top sometime, you know, if Eli Apple has trade value then maybe Janoris Jenkins does to a team, Landon Collins' name has now surfaced. He's in the final year of his contract, although a potential franchise tag designee for him. We know two guys who aren't going to be on the move. Eli Manning, he's not going anywhere. He has a no-trade clause. And I'll be honest with you, Clay, this may be the swan song of Eli Manning. Like, you know, we just in, in, for whatever you can enjoy of 2018 of Eli Manning, I think that might be it. I just get the feeling that, that this might be it at the end of the year, and he might just call it a career because his skills have just declined to a pretty severe point. And we know the Giants are going to be moving on a quarterback. And where does he want to go to try reinvent himself not sure that that's really going to be happening we know odell beckham jr isn't on the move but isn't it amazing clay the narrative about is odell beckham happy in new york he signed a contract paying him an average of 16.4 million dollars a year making him the highest paid wide receiver in nfl history and we've got and, And odell beckham jr is allowing people to go down the road with this narrative about him not being happy are you kidding the giants are a mess you see clay the giants have become the jets by the way and the jets while they're not the giants quite yet uh, they're, they're far closer in that direction than the Giants becoming the Giants because the Giants are being run incompetently, starting with ownership on down.
4: It is pretty wild uh, to think about. Now, there are a lot of quarterbacks out there. Sam Bradford, you mentioned him earlier, Teddy Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor. Do you see any quarterback moving between now and tomorrow? I don't see it because I don't, you know, with Jacksonville, who do you get? Teron Taylor
1: might be the best guy because he can run for his life and he doesn't commit turnovers. But does he make any impact plays in the passing game? I mean, aren't you, just, aren't you just doing the same thing with Blake Bortles? And at least you know Bortles' strengths and weaknesses and can cover him up. Is that really an upgrade? I mean, could you imagine Eli Manning or Sam Bradford? And I know Eli, again, the no trade clause, he's not going to waive it. But if Tom Coughlin wanted to try to go get this guy, could you imagine him standing back there in the pocket, having it collapse on him and him going down again? I mean, when Booger McFarland called him a lawn ornament, on Monday Night Football, I mean, what a damning indictment of Eli Manning because he can't move. Speaking of can't move, Sam Bradford can't move. He's someone that, that's immobile. Himself, Teddy Bridgewater, I talked to Mickey Loomis at Saints GM about this Look, he actually wants to keep him beyond 2018. They made that that trade for a a third-round pick for him. But really, he may just end up being an expensive insurance policy because Taysom Hill is such an intriguing guy, and they actually do refer to him as Jim Thorpe on the Saints. That's his nickname there because he's such a throwback guy. But, listen, they're developing him as a QB. He's got arm strength, but, man, he can run the football. He's obviously added an interesting element when they do their Wildcat stuff. So I I find him a fascinating guy, but I don't see anyone on the move right now. I just really don't play and part of that is because of the nfl itself they change the rules quarterbacks are getting injured at a much much slower rate than they have been in recent seasons i mean who's out josh allen Buffalo's not going to make a move you know who's out there for miami brock oswald you're going to stick with him but they're hoping that they get ryan tannehill back sooner than later there really just hasn't been and in san francisco they're going with cj bethard i mean they could have made a move earlier on but instead they're not and i don't envision them because you know really they're going nowhere fast why give up draft picks if you're not winning so at this point, I think the quarterback market is, is pretty set. I mean, I just don't see anyone making that type of move because I don't see a system fit out there for a team with these QBs that are available.
4: You mentioned that the Saints may be the best team in the NFL. What did you think about uh, a game that a lot of people were watching between the Packers and the Rams? What stood out to you?
1: The, the Rams, you know, listen, they figured the second half, such a different half, right? And they figured out some of the things that the Packers were doing on the defensive side of the football. Todd Gurley right now is absolutely ridiculous, Clay. he is the only running back in the NFL who is averaging 100 rushing yards a game, 800 on the dot. How about this? Priest Holmes and Jim Brown, those are the only other players in NFL history that have 15 touchdowns, 15 through the first eight games of the season. Oh, and by the way, think about this. Todd Gurley doesn't care about the numbers. He cares about winning. This is a guy who goes ahead and takes and, and doesn't go in the end zone late in the fourth quarter because he didn't want Green Bay to have another chance to touch the football. Speaking of the Packers, real interesting story up by Mike Silver at NFL.com about this, about how the Packers are absolutely furious at Ty Montgomery. How Ty went into business for himself. Apparently he was upset at being benched in the fourth quarter of the game and, and other running backs getting spots in the rotation. So even though he was told, take a knee in the end zone, he didn't. He ran out with the football. He fumbled. Aaron Rodgers doesn't get to touch the football again. And that's it. If Mike McCarthy and, and you know uh, Guttenkus, the GM, if they don't cut Ty Montgomery today, I just wonder where's this Packers team headed. I wasn't all that bullish on them entering the season. I just think it's Aaron Rodgers and a bunch of other guys. And it, listen, they're going to be under 500 after Sunday
4: night when they play the Patriots next week. Chiefs, what an unbelievable performance by the Chiefs again. Uh, they <laughs> win by seven. Are the Broncos basically done? Do you think they could look to unload anybody? Demarius Thomas' name uh, has certainly been out there, along with, I think, Emmanuel Sanders. Like, There's been a lot of talk about them potentially trading a wide receiver. What do you think the Broncos are going to do? What do you think uh, uh, of the Chiefs as we move forward? Are they the unquestioned best team in the AFC?
1: I mean, even Demarius Thomas is saying it's like 50-50 if he stays. Part of the problem with Demarius is if you acquire him, it's not like you're acquiring him for the long term because next year he's set to make $14 million in base salary, and we all know Demarius Thomas at this point of his career is not a $14 million a year type of player. I mean, still he's still good, but not $14 million a year, Clay Travis-type money, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so, I mean, but there's a chance if a team thinks he's a short-term fix for them, he'll make that type of move. Uh, Sanders is going to stay. He still has some juice. By the way, Courtland, and listen, it's a testament also to Courtland Sutton, their second-round pick out of SMU. This guy's been fantastic, and he is ready to take Demarius Thomas' spot in the roster. I don't see anyone else really moving on that defense. Remember, too, or, you know, on, on offense, Vance Joseph, he needs to win to keep his job, right? And, and apparently, John Elway is still Teflon right now as general manager of this team, but it has fallen apart over the past three years. And the Broncos are going to finish near the base, in the basement, you know, third place, obviously in the AFC West. But and for Kansas City, Pat Mahomes, hey, this is just ridiculous what he is doing. He is the fourth quarterback in NFL history to throw for at least four touchdown passes in three consecutive games. By the way, three straight games of 300 plus passing yards, seven of them for um, with 300 or more yards only uh, three quarterbacks in NFL history have done it. And the record's eight, by the way, and he may very well hit that Sunday against Cleveland in the first half. So he's just been brilliant. It's been a fun Chiefs team to watch, but you know what, Clay? We don't trust them. And who do we trust? We trust the New England Patriots, right? We don't trust the Chiefs because their defense is still pretty leaky. They gave up 23 points to a Broncos offense that's having its own types of challenges. So we love watching them play on offense, but you just wonder at the end of the day, are they going to be like the 1981 version of the San Diego Chargers with Dan Fouts moving the team up and down the field, yet the defense being unable to stop anybody?
4: Good stuff, as always, Alex Marvez. He joins us an Hour 3 every single Monday. We'll talk to you next week, my man. Sounds great, brother. Thank you. That is Alex Marvez. Go follow him on Twitter, at Alex Marvez. We come back, final segment of the show, and I'm going to tell you the thing that I learned the most in both college football and the NFL, my biggest takeaways from the weekend that was in football. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
4: If you haven't seen this tweet, watching the Dodgers-Red Sox final innings, it's amazing how a manager takes out a pitcher who is loose and dominating through almost seven innings, Rich Hill of the Dodgers and brings in a nervous reliever who gets shellacked, four-run lead gone, managers do it all the time, big mistake. I love that Donald Trump's take there is so reasonable that everybody in Los Angeles, even (laughs) if they hate Donald Trump as a president, nodding their head and being like, you know what, Trump's got a good point there.
5: Clay, he was throwing 93 miles per hour when he got taken out. He hadn't lost anything off his pitches. He had a one-hitter going. Come on. It would have been a complete game. You didn't even have to go to the bullpen.
4: It would have been a totally different series, too, if the Dodgers had stormed back to tie it up at two. Game five would have played out differently. I'm just telling you last night, at an absolute minimum, even if it didn't, even if the Dodgers had lost game five, they would have been able to go back to Boston, to Fenway in game six and game seven, potentially, and had a chance to win. Biggest takeaway from the weekend that was in college football, I think also has to be what Mike Gundy had to say about social media. If you haven't heard this, Mike Gundy is famous for his rant, I'm a man, I'm 40, come after me. If you remember that rant, Mike Gundy was asked his opinion on Twitter and social media in the wake of his big win over Texas, and he had this to say. I
2: give a rat's ass about Twitter. (laughs) It's a platform for people that are sitting home throwing an unemployment check. Sitting in front of a
4: keyboard. That's Mike Gundy. And you know what? Donald Trump had a good sports tweet. Mike Gundy, I think, had a pretty good political take there. Wait, Twitter's kind of blowing up the country. And the fart noises are unbelievable. 50-year-old man doing fart noises anyway. It's a ridiculous move. The only thing we needed more of was Mike Gundy to do the whole, uh, remember, put your arm underneath your armpit? and make the fart noise. My eight-year-old, he loves that. It's his, it's his go-to move. <laughs> hey, hey,
5: Dave Roberts.
4: <laughs> Dave Roberts in L.A. You know that you have done, gone and screwed up when you're Dave Roberts. And Donald Trump is more popular than you in L.A. this morning for sports fans. Sports fans are like, man, if only Donald Trump had been the Dodger manager, we'd have tied up that series at 2-2. You know you done and you're sc- gone and screwed up when Dave Roberts is out there right now and people are like, if only Donald Trump had been in the Dodger uniform in the bench, we'd be tied up coming into game five. That's how bad Dave Roberts' managing job was. Congratulations to the Red Sox, sweet Caroline. They've even managed to colonize now New York, New York and turn it into a Boston anthem. Oh,
0: oh, oh, O'Reilly.